Father God, we come before you this morning to be in your presence and to praise you and to take this time to worship you. We invite you here to be among us. We thank you that you want us to come before you and worship us. And that's exactly where we want to be at this time. So we just want to take this time to drop the burdens of the week and the burdens of the day, everything that's going on, all the turmoil going on around us, Father. We just ask that you would impart your peace to us as we take this time to worship you.
Okay, so B12. No, no. <laughs> you, know, you know, all these papers, I put that out so just to remind you, we're supposed to be sitting apart and doing all that business, so it's not bingo, and uh, you can only play one card, so uh, anyway. I'm making light of it, but I really do want you to behave. Um, we want to do right. And, uh, and I believe we're going to stay safe and healthy, and God's going to protect us. And most of all, God is with us. Amen? Amen? When we come together and we begin to worship Him, He comes and He just fills this place, and then that's where all the good stuff happens. Amen. So I want to read you a passage from Psalms. This is Psalms 102. For the Lord shall build up Zion, He shall appear in His glory, He shall regard the prayer of the destitute. And shall not despise their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary from heaven, the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion, and his praises in Jerusalem. And when the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. And then he goes on and he says, Of old you have laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment but, and like a cloak you will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years have no end. The children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. So Lord, this morning, we recognize your greatness, and we celebrate the fact that even though you are the God of the universe and you created everything, but just the spoken word, yet you choose to come and dwell among you, people. You choose to come and dwell among us, Lord, and you listen to the cries of our heart, and you're you don't despise our, our cries and, and you don't turn away from us, but you respond to us because you love us. Thank you, Lord. You look down and you see that, that people are headed for destruction and you try to intercede and, and, and intervene in their lives, Lord. You, you're all about trying to bring redemption and good into your people. So this morning, Lord, we rejoice in that. We thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are always working good in and for and through us, Lord. So we want to lift up our voices to you this morning. We want to worship and exalt you. Put you on the throne this morning where you belong. In this place, Lord, and give you freedom to come in all of your power and glory. Speak to us, touch us, change us, heal us, deliver us, set us free. Make us whole this morning. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with your peace and your love. And Lord God, this morning, help us to keep our eyes on you. So we tuned into you and we will hear and respond to you the way that we ought to. Each of us as individuals and all of us as a body, Lord. Have your way, Holy Spirit, this morning. Come in all of your fullness. We thank you for that in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
Since the COVID virus, we've been restricted in a lot of ways. But I just want to remind you that the Spirit of the Lord is not restricted. The Spirit of the Lord is not limited. And He still wants to work and He still wants to do the things in our lives that He always wants to do. And I'm telling you, if you need prayer, you can come to the altar and we'll wear a mask and we'll pray over you and we'll lay hands on you and we'll sanitize our hands afterwards and all that stuff, but we'll pray for you. If you need prayer, come and, and we'll pray with you. The other side of that is you can make an altar right where you are because that's what, that's what that song is really talking about. Come to the altar. It's, it's you. You're the one that makes the altar. It's not some place. It's not something. It's, it's your heart. Yes. When you make an altar, when you make the altar, God will meet you there. When you humble yourself, you submit yourself to him, he will meet you there. Lord, this morning, that's our cry, Lord. We, we humble ourselves before you and we invite you. Come. I give you free reign, Lord, to speak into my life. I give you free reign to shine your light into me and expose, reveal, correct, discipline, anything that you want to do, Lord. It's safe to be in your hands. So I put everything in your hands and I just say, come. Come and have your way with me this morning. I humble myself before you. I submit myself to you and say, do anything, everything, all that you want to do this morning in me. Change my heart. Change my attitudes. Change my priorities. Heal my heart. Heal my body. Heal my finances. Heal everything about my life. Let your spirit make me new, Lord, in every way. Speak that into everyone's life this morning, Lord, that we would all know that is your desire. You abound in goodness towards your people. And we receive that this morning. Pour out your goodness on us, Lord. Pour out your glory on us. Reveal yourself to us in new ways so that we would see you and know you as you are. And we could be changed and to be into your image, Lord. Lord, for all those who who are stressed out over the current situation, they're anxious, fearful, nervous, the uncertainty, the chaos, the division and racism and strife, the anger and hatred that's been expressed in this nation, Lord, and the, the concerns over our future and the, the economy and elections and all that's going on, Lord, this morning, pour your peace out on your people. And those that don't know you, Lord, reveal yourself to them in a way that they would know that it's only in you that they can have peace. The world offers them a peace, but it's not the same as what you offer. You offer a perfect peace, a peace that never goes away. It's not based on our circumstances, but it's a peace that is real and live 
and it will keep our hearts and minds even through the COVID virus. It'll keep our hearts and minds even through a failed economy. It'll keep our hearts and minds even through all the division and strife and the, the angst over the elections, all the things that we face in the future. Your peace can overthrow all of our fears. Your peace can overthrow all of our anxieties. Your peace can dispel all the chaos and confusion. Pour your peace out, Lord, on your people. And let us rise up, Lord, as your people and begin to be the body of Christ as we ought to be, that we would be the light that we ought to be in this world. We would take our place, stand for righteousness, stand for holiness, stand for integrity, stand for uh, the truth of the Word of God. Your people, those that are called by your name, Lord, cause us to humble ourselves, turn from our lackadaisical ways, seek you, cry out to you so you can forgive our sin and heal this land, Lord. It's only in you that we can be healed. Lord, this morning I lift up the Choate family, they've lost their, their dear member, Julia, Julie Choate. She passed away this week. She's the principal of McCall Elementary. And I have two granddaughters that, uh, that attend that school. I know it's going to affect them as well as hundreds and thousands of other students who have gone through that elementary school and their family. And Lord, we just ask that, that you bring your peace and your comfort to all who knew Julie and that family, that you would carry them through this time, Lord. I know they trust in you and they believe in you, but they need you now more than ever, Lord, to sustain them, carry them through. And I pray that this would in somehow, in some way, result in bringing glory and honor to your name, Lord, that people would be touched and changed because of her life. I thank you for all those who serve our children, teachers and principals and coaches and uh, all the, the people that work in the, the cafeterias and keep the schools maintained and clean and, and keep the grounds and watch the parking lots. All those people, Lord, we thank you for their service. And we ask you blessings. Those that drive the buses and get them to and from safely. Lord, we ask that you bless and protect all of our children, our young people. As they're getting ready to go back to school, some have already gone back. Lord, just I pray over them that they would not be permanently affected by all this, Lord, that the wearing of the mask and the fear of the virus and all the things that are being put on them, that they would, they would see beyond that and see the future, Lord, and see hope, that there is hope in the future, that you are our hope, the blessed hope, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Lord God, reveal that to this next generation so that they would know it's only in you, Lord, it's only in you that we can survive and thrive during these troubled times, Lord. I pray for all those who are in the military and the, the first responders, the police and the fire and the paramedics and those working in the emergency rooms and the, and the COVID floors and all the different areas, Lord. We, we need you. We need you to protect and heal and deliver, Lord. We need you to reveal yourself to people so they would know that there is hope, Lord. Even when things seem hopeless in you, there's always hope. 
I thank you, Lord, that you are here to pour your spirit out on us this morning, and you've already done that. You're bringing hope and enthusiasm to your people, Lord. Cause us to rise up and be excited about you, so much so that we couldn't contain it. We would go out of here with a river of life flowing out of us, Lord, spilling out everywhere we go. People would look at us and say, hey, do you know you're leaking? We say, yeah, it's intentional. Let us be a gusher for you, Lord Jesus. Yes. I thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers. Jesus. Continue to speak to us this morning, Lord. As we, as we move forward, we want to hear from you. We all have information. We all have knowledge. But that means nothing if it's not a revelation from you, Lord. So we need you to speak to us. We need you to bring revelation insight to us so that we can see ourselves the way you see us. So that we can see others the way that you see them, Lord. That we see you the way that you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Thank you. So we've, we've been talking about wounds in our soul, and this is part 14, I think, and uh, I didn't really mean for it to be this long, but I keep, I keep figuring out there's more stuff to talk about. And, um, but the point of it all is that we, we all have areas of our life where we've been wounded or affected by our past, things that have happened to us, things that have been done to us, things that we've done things that we're born with, you know, our upbringing. Some of it's beyond our control. Most of it is beyond our control. Uh, I mean, we, we choose to do things, and those affect us, but there's a lot of things done to us and done for us and against us, and, you know, I mean, we, we don't have any control over that. And I told you all about an experience I had uh, with a friend who said, really mean, cruel things to me, and, you know, we've all had that happen. A friend that you trusted and loved, and they, they stabbed you in the back, and you know, they said something bad about you behind your back. Uh, maybe they lied about you or told something that was a secret that you'd share with them, and it really embarrassed you and humiliated you. Truth is, most of us have probably done that to someone else, too, you know, and so it works both ways. I mean, we've had stuff done to us, and we've done stuff to people, and so this whole thing about the wounds of our soul, the point is that we're trying to be healed so that we don't have those wounds that are this, there festering and causing problems and allowing the enemy an opportunity to access us and do things to us because we've got those ongoing wounds or issues in our lives. Now the Bible calls them strongholds. It also refers to root, a root of bitterness. I would presume that's the only time it's mentioned, but I would presume if you can have a root of bitterness, you probably have a root of uh, hatred or anger or a root of unforgiveness or a root of pride or, you know, a lot of other roots because it's a, uh, it's a description of something that's growing. It's giving life and sustenance and strength to something. That's what happens when the roots are good, then the, the plant's going to be good. So if you have a root of something that's not good, it's in you and it's growing, it's going to keep that thing alive. It's going to keep it strong. And so that's what we're trying to do is hear God's voice, determine the things that are 
in us that we don't want to be in us and get them out of us. So we're going to talk about them and then we're going to talk about how to get healed of them too. <clears throat> so I'm so glad that God is all about redemption. That means that he is making things right between us and him and he's making things right between us and other people, making us right. He's fixing up all of our messed up you know, lives. And we've all, we've all got issues and struggles. Some of us more so than others. Some of them are more visible, I, I would say. You know, if you, uh, if you have something that somebody can just see, you know, that's pretty obvious. But most of us have stuff that you can't see. If you have an addiction problem and, you know, you're falling down drunk all the time, people see that. But if you're addicted to some other things, they might not see that at all. And yet you could be just as addicted. And it's the same way with all the areas of our lives. We have, we have things that, that, are, that are messed up in our lives and the Lord wants to heal us. And I, that's what we've been talking about, restoring our souls. That, <clears throat> we talked about Psalms 23 last time, the last two weeks actually, and that word restore in the Hebrew means to turn back, to turn back, not necessarily to the origin or the beginning all the way, but it does mean to turn back. And so I think what we're saying is the Lord wants to turn us back. He wants to take us, our soul and turn us back more like we were like Adam and Eve in the garden. We're not going to go all the way back there, but, but if we do it little bits and pieces at a time, we get turned back a little more. Every time that we're in God's presence and he brings some revelation to us and we realize, I've got this issue, and we deal with it, we're, we're turning our souls back a little bit. We're healing our souls. We're bringing ourselves back more like God intended for us to be, the way he created for us to function and operate. You know, we are, we are created to love. I mean, that's, that's like part of our, our brain. It's there. We're created to love. We're created to love each other. We're created to have relationships with people. We're created to love God. That is part of us. We're also created to eat. You know, you have to eat to sustain yourself. But those two areas are, are two of the most abused things because the devil comes in and starts twisting things and getting things out of perspective. And some people, you know, they, they have a need for love, but man, they choose the wrong people. And they, they get involved in all kinds of messed up relationships. And, and because they've got problems, even, even the people that really love them and care about them, they, they continue to have problems because they're, they're just not healthy in their soul and in their heart. The enemy loves to distort something that's good. Something that was intended for, for good by God, he wants to distort it, twist it, make it into something else. He, he, very beginning, you know, the, tree, the trees in the Garden of Eden. God gave them clear instructions. The enemy came along and started telling them, well, he didn't really say that, he didn't really mean that. And he twisted it all around, and they believed the wrong voices, and here we are. And it's the same thing that he does all the time. He's trying to twist and deceive and, uh, and we just have to see beyond all that and understand that he is always trying to get us, but God is always trying to keep us. That's, that's pretty exciting to know. So God is very thorough in his redemption and his restoration in us and for us and through us. He's always working on our behalf. You need to be convinced of that. If you're not convinced of that, 
then when the struggles come, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to lose heart and you're going to become doubtful and fearful. But when you understand that God is always working for you, even when you don't see it, even when the stuff you see seems to be going all the wrong way, and we start thinking, oh man, what's happening? You've got you to be convinced. At that moment, you have to be sure that your God is for you. And all those circumstances doesn't change the fact that your God is for you. And he is going to be for you. And on a side note, let me just say that that's the way we ought to be. When we have people in our lives that we care about and we love and they disappoint us and they do things that, you know, we just think they're just flat out wrong, they're dumb, they're stupid, they're going to cause problems. Instead of getting mad and rejecting them, how about we treat them like God does? How about if we just love them? How about if we just keep believing the best for them? How about if we just keep expecting the best from them? We just keep supporting them. And if they treat us like dirt, we can still love them and support them. Doesn't mean you have to enable them and, and you know, do things that are, I just mean in your heart. And you may need to do some tough love at some point and say, I'm, you know, I love you and I care about you, but I'm not going to keep supporting you anymore. I'm going to have to cut you off. And that's, that's fair. But, but in your heart, you should always still love them and you should expect and hope the best. And, and that's what you should be about. Because that's how God is. Isn't it good to know that God doesn't give up on us? That God doesn't reject us? You know, that's it. Okay, forget it. That's the last time I've told you a thousand times. That's it. A thousand one, boom, you're out of here. You know, God doesn't do that. Most of us want to respond that way. It may not be the thousand. It may be like Peter. It may be seven, you know. I'll give you six, but after that, baby, you're on your own. Well, we need to be more like our Heavenly Father. And, and the part of the problem is that I think a lot of us don't see our Heavenly Father the way that we ought to see him. We think he is a judge only. Yeah, he is a judge, but he's a righteous judge, and his judgment is just and it's righteous. Not necessarily fair in our minds, but it's just. doesn't mean two different things. So God is always just, and what God does is right because he's God. You know, things that we do, they may be right or wrong or, or uh, fair or unjust or whatever, but we can trust that God is not, he's not like just one moment and then unjust another moment. He's not choosing you and saying, I'm just going to, I'm going to punish you just because, well, I just pulled your name out of the hat today. It's your name, you know, B12, bingo, you know, you're getting it. It doesn't work that way. God is always out for our good. You've got to be convinced of that. If you don't know that, and you're not convinced of that, then you're going to have problems. In life, you're going to have problems because you have struggles in life. As a believer, you are deceived if you think everything's going to be perfect in your life. Now, if you believe everything is going to be acceptable and you're going to be able to be uh, content and you're going to be able to walk in joy and peace and love, that's the truth. That's not being deceived. But if you think all the circumstances of your life are going to be perfect, you're dreaming. Because that's just not the way it is. Even Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have tribulations. 
you're going to have troubles. You're going to have struggles. There are going to be issues. But he didn't just leave it like that, did he? Be of good comfort. Be, be okay because guess what? I have overcome the world. And because I've overcome the world, so can you because he lives in us. That's what this is all about, about healing our soul. It's about understanding who we are, who God is, and what God is wanting to do in us and change us so that we can be who we're supposed to be. It's really, it's really pretty simple, but uh, I think sometimes we're a little slow. I know I am. A little slow on the take. It has to be repeated numerous times. <laughs> so uh, the first thing I want to say to you about uh, renewal is that I, um, I, was talk I was thinking I was going to talk about renewing our minds. And, I, and so I thought, well, just for kicks, I'll look in the Old Testament and see what kind of scriptures there are about renewing. And uh, I was surprised. There were some things that I wasn't even thinking about or looking for. And so I want to share a few of them with you today. In 1 Samuel, <clears throat> chapter 11, verse 14, Samuel said to the people, Come. Let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So God is all about renewing and redeeming and restoring. And he says through Samuel, so let's go to Gilgal and let's renew the kingdom. So I got thinking about that. What does that mean, renew? Well, first of all, the word renew in this verse, the Hebrew word, it means to renew or to make new, to repair or rebuild. So basically, even way you cut it, He's making it all better. He's making it new again, making it more. He's turning us back a little bit more like we were originally. He's making it new. He's, he's renewing it, rebuilding it, fixing it so that it's right. The kingdom, you know, the nation of Israel was God's people, and they basically represented God's plan for the entire earth because he said, uh, in you, the entire earth is going to be blessed. If you, in blessing, I will bless. So what he was saying was, you're going to be my instrument to do all the good stuff that happens in the earth. No pressure. But that's who we're supposed to be also because we're in that covenant of promise that he made with Abraham. So we are part of that. We are supposed to be doing good so that the whole earth is blessed because of us. Sometimes I think we forget about that and we don't understand what that means, but the, he wants his kingdom to come on earth just and be just like it is in heaven. He wants to reestablish his rule and reign on earth like it was in the garden in the beginning. And how does he do that? It's going to come through us, his people. He's not just going to zap the earth and do it. It happens through us. We have to let him reinstate his rule and his reign in us individually. And then that begins to catch a hold and by groups, you know, it begins to happen more and more. And as we do that, we begin to see things happen in our lives. God begins to do the things that he did in the garden. He begins to provide for our needs. He begins to keep us healthy, keep us whole. He begins to heal our our soul and remove all the wounds and the, the roots of anger and bitterness and all the things that are wrong, he begins to make those things right because God is about redemption. 
And that's what he wants to do. He wants to do it in all of us. All the time. That's what he's working in us. So we start this, this life with the Lord. You know, you come down to the altar and pray or however that happens. Maybe you're, maybe you're sitting in the front seat of a pickup talking to a friend and he, and he prays with you. Maybe, you know, you're watching some TV evangelist. I know several people who got saved while watching the TV evangelist. Uh, some of them you don't even really think about as being all that great a TV evangelist. But, you know, the truth is, when you get saved, it doesn't matter how it happens, you become a born-again believer, and your journey with the Lord starts. But it's just starting. I mean, that's not the end. The Lord is wanting to continue to heal you and change you and work in you over and over and over again. Every day is a new opportunity for us to be changed more and more and more and made like Him. So Samuel said, let's go down there to Gilgal and let's renew the kingdom there. And I don't think Samuel was just picking a city. I mean, I think he was very intentional about this. And I'll tell you why. Because Gilgal was a significant place. In Joshua 3, 4, and 5, the story of Israel crossing the Jordan, going into the Promised Land, the Lord told him, he said, okay, uh, you're fixing to cross and go over. So he said, you know, I want you to sanctify yourselves for a few days and you know, get yourself all straightened out. You know, I want you to be holy and righteous. I want you to do all the offerings and everything, get your sin taken care of. And he said, and then we're going to cross over. And he said, this is how it's going to happen. The priests are going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And when they put their feet in the water of Jordan, the waters are going to be cut off. They're going to dry up and they're going to back up. And they said, they're going to back up all the way to Adam. That was... Uh, it was a little town, but just think about it this way. What if, what if God was saying as a twofold way of expressing that, that all that stuff that's in the past, it's in the past. And I'm going to cut it off right here, and it's not going to be part of the future. I'm cutting it off right here, all the way back to Adam, all the way back to the very beginning. I'm taking away the curse. I'm taking away all that bad stuff, and it stops right here. You're going into the promised land. It's all new. Pretty good. Think about that. God's saying, I'm cutting all that off, and I'm taking you into something totally new, and I'm making you new. And he said, I'll tell you another thing. I want you to pick out 12 people, one leader from each tribe, and as you go across, pick up a, a, a stone out of the middle of the Jordan River, and we get to the other side. We're going to make a pile of those stones so that in the future, when your children come along and they see that, they'll say, what do this pile of stones mean? And you'll say, this was the day. This was the day that God set us free. This is the day that God did what he said he would do. This is the day that God brought us into the promised land. This was the day when all that stuff in the past was gone and everything became new. That's what we need to do. We need to have a place in our life where we said, you know, I went to the altar that day. I prayed that prayer. I believed it. And guess what? God has cut off all that stuff in my past, and I'm moving forward. I'm going to be different from this day forward. I'm not going to be like that anymore. And then, it happened just exactly like that. Gilgal. They go across the river, and there's a little town, an area called Gilgal. And they, they set up camp there. They also, they circumcised all the males that were born in the 40 years in the wilderness because they had, had not ever done it. That was a sign of the covenant. They were renewing the covenant. 
So think about that. They're going, they're going across the river into the promised land, and they are made aware that this is a renewing of the covenant. And they had, they had entered into the covenant. You know, they had agreed to it, but they were renewing it. And then they, they held a Passover in the promised land, just like they were supposed to. It was such a cool thing to think about that, that God reinstated all the promises to them. He said, you know, you boneheads, 40 years ago I gave you this opportunity, you blew it, but I'm reinstating it. I'm giving you another chance. Isn't that good to know that God doesn't just give you one chance? So he, he reinstated the covenant to them, and he basically he gave them a chance to say, I am doing my part. I'm renewing the covenant too. I'm agreeing to it. I'm all in. And Gilgal literally means a wheel or rolling. And, and God said to the people, he said, today I'm rolling away the reproach of Egypt. I'm taking that out of your life. <clears throat> the reproach, that means like, you know, to scorn and to be taunted. And that's exactly what the devil does to us. All the way from Egypt. You know, they came out of Egypt, man, it was a glorious uh, celebration. And then immediately, they, you know, the devil comes after them again. Right there at the Red Sea. You know, Pharaoh's trying to get them back into bondage. They get delivered. They go through a lot of experience in the wilderness. And they get to the promised land. And instead of just going in and taking it, they blow it. And God, I think God lets us see all that so that we can understand that that's exactly what happens in our lives. He wants to roll away the reproach. He wants to roll away the scorn. The enemy wants to come to you and just say, yeah, nah, 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 you can't do it. You know, just like a little bratty kid. That's the way the enemy works. He taunts you. He scorns you. He says, you blew it before, you're going to blow it again. You can't do this. You're just going to fail and flop again like you always do. You're the same old slob you always were. You're not changed. That's just in your mind. You're making that up. Nothing really happened to you. But it's a lie. And we've got to see that. And we've got to begin to believe what God says. God wants to roll away that reproach. God wants to take away all that reproach, that scorn. And he want, he's done it. We just need to accept it and begin to proclaim it. We don't have to try to figure it out. We just, we just got to accept it and begin to walk in it. <clears throat> God wanted all the future generations to see his great deliverance for them. And that's where we are right now. You know, in this country, we've had this great ride all these years. You know, we've done really well. God's blessed us. We've prospered. And, but we've just gradually gone down and down and down. And that's what, that's what happened to Adam and Eve, you know. You go eight or ten generations from Adam and Eve, and God said, wow, you know, when I look at the earth, what I see is that every thought of man's heart is continually only wicked. And that's, that's in just, literally, just a handful of generations. They went from being perfect without even a sinful nature to being so depraved and so far from that that it was unrecognizable. 
that's kind of where we are as a nation right now. I mean, we, I hate to think what George Washington and some of those folks would say if they saw what was going on in our country now, they would be horrified because we have come so far and it's the wrong direction. But when, when you allow the enemy to lie to you and you buy into what he's saying, you're gonna be walking in deception. But he always tries the same tricks, probably because they work, but he, he lies to us, he twists the truth a little bit so that he can deceive us. And when he deceives you, you fail. And then when you fail, he says, I told you you were gonna fail. Look at you. You failed, just like I said you would. You can't win, you can't succeed. And then he starts heaping on shame and guilt and he starts just taunting you and telling you what a miserable flop and failure you are and how you're never going to be any different. That all that stuff, it doesn't work for you. It might work for somebody else, but it's not going to work for you. So he just reminds you of your failures over and over and over again. But you don't have to live there. You can be healed from that. You can change the way that you think about your past and the future. That's all part of this renewing our mind that we're going to be talking about. God wants to renew us in every way. The other thing the enemy wants to do, uh, by the way, uh, that word reproach, the root word for that means to expose, like stripping. And that's one of the things that the enemy likes to do to you also. When you mess up, he likes to remind you of it, and he likes to publicly humiliate you. It's like just exposing it for the whole world to see, exposing all your problems so that now you're humiliated publicly. And that's what this was all about, because the children of Israel, when they got out of Egypt, all the other nations in that part of the world was like, ooh, man, you know, they got a God that's awesome. And so God took care of them, you know, all that time in the desert, and they got, they got right to the promised land, and they chickened out. They didn't believe what God said. And so all those other nations then, they began to look at them like, well, ha, you know, they just thought they were something. They weren't really all that. Look at them. You know, their God's not all that great. That's what the reproach of Egypt is all about. And that's the same thing that happens with us. You mess up and all, all of a sudden your friends and the people you work with, you know, you, you lose your temper one day and then they're thinking, yeah, I thought you were a Christian. <laughs> yeah, you're a Christian. But God wants to re remove and roll all that back so that it's not part of our lives. He doesn't want us to walk around in guilt or shame. The enemy wants to control you by all that, but God wants to set you free of it. So it's just the opposite. The enemy wants to attempt to keep you from moving forward and becoming who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. God wants you to, to go and do great things. So they're just the opposite. The devil feeds you a lie, God gives you the truth that will set you free. The devil wants to remind you of your failures, but God says, I forgive your failures, and I'm choosing not to even remember it anymore. The devil wants to expose us and strip us down to where we're exposed and embarrassed and humiliated. God wants to clothe us in his righteousness. He takes away our shame. The devil wants to tell us... We don't have a future. We're going to be a failure. We'll never make it. And God said, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to go with you. And we're going to make it together. We are going to be victorious. 
and you are going to walk with me, and I am putting all things under my feet, and they're going to be under your feet too. So that's what this is all about. We are, we are trying to figure out how to, to trust the Lord and walk in all of his promises so that, that we begin to see this renewal that's happening in our lives. And it's not going to happen completely in the entire earth, but in your life, you can see God's renewal beginning to happen. You can see God's provision beginning to happen. You can see God's healing begin to happen. You can see God's active care in your life on a daily basis. May not, it may not change the whole world, but it can change your life. It can change your family. It can change your friends. It can change this body. We've got to start somewhere, right? But if none of us figure it out, then we're just going to stay the same way that we are. And I don't want to be that way. I want to be changed. God wants to change us. He wants to change us for our good. That's what he's about. Changing us for our good. He wants to renew the kingdom in all of us. It's part of what we've been discussing for weeks now. We choose. When we choose to submit ourselves to the Lord, we're doing just like, just like the children of Israel. They crossed over. They renewed the covenant. They renewed the kingdom. They said, okay, all that stuff in the past, it's in the past. We're going forward now. We got a plan. We got a leader. We got a, we got a God that is mighty and more than adequate, and we're going on. We need to come to the place where we're saying that too on a regular basis. You can renew the covenant every day. You can renew everything every day. We're supposed to. We ought to be living a life of repentance. We ought to be living a life of every day saying, Lord, here I am. I messed up, but here I am. What do you want for me today? What do I need to do today? How can you change me today? What do I need to do? God wants us to be changing constantly. He wants to renew us all the time. He wants to take us back to a place in our heart, in our mind, where, where we establish that covenant with him and we want to reestablish it on a regular basis. That doesn't mean, you, you know, it doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. I'm just saying we, you need to recommit yourself regularly. Be saying, Lord, I want more. You know, I love it when we sing those songs, more of you, more, more. You know, I'm just... I'm not satisfied with this. This is it. You know, I mean, more of your glory. Pour it out of us. We cover us in your glory. I want more of you. Constantly seeking more of him and being renewed in him. When we do that, you can be confident. You don't have to be confident in me. You don't have to be confident in the words that I'm saying. But you can be confident that God will respond. Because when we come to him, it says he will in no way ever refuse us or cast us out. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. He's, he's calling us all the time. He's saying, come, come. I've got, I've got a, a table set. It's all ready. Just come. We used to sing a, a hymn, you know, Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitudes turned the water into wine. The master calls now, come and dine. You know, that's the, that's the deal. It's all the time. That's the offer. You don't have to question that. You don't have to doubt that. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be thinking, can I do that today? No, you can do it right now. Today is the day of salvation, right? 
It's always the day of salvation. It's always the day he's wanting to renew you. It's always the day that he's saying, come. I've got a spread here. Man, there's all the good stuff. I've got the potato salad and the beans. I've got the, the pot roast and got all the desserts. It's, I mean, it's there. Come and dine. What an offer. The king of the universe is saying, come sit at the table with me. You can't beat that. Worship team, y'all can come back. God is so good. And he wants us to know that. He wants us to be convinced of that. And, and the, the thing is, he says his goodness abounds towards us. That means it just overflows. It's just pouring out beyond our ability to even contain it all. It comes on us and it just begins to spill out. When it spills out of us, it may get over on somebody else next to us. And that's what we want. We want God's goodness to be flowing in our lives in such a way that everybody around us sees that God is good. I want people to look at me and I don't want them to say, man, he sure is grumpy for a guy who's supposed to be a Christian. Or he sure is hateful. Or he sure is rude. Or he sure has a short fuse. There's a person that I deal with sometimes that does have a short fuse. And I've seen it a few times. And what's scary about that is you never know what you're going to get. You know, people who lose their temper easily or, or become agitated or it's like, you don't know. You know, one time you talk to them and everything's fine and dandy and hunky-dory. Next time you talk to them, I mean, it's like you're the biggest dummy in the world and, you know, they're out to get you. And I don't like that. I think that's what I like about God is that he never changes. Amen. You know, you know he's the same <coughs> yesterday, today, and forever. And it's always going to be good. You can, you can be so relaxed and confident in God's goodness and the fact that he never changes. If you mess up, it doesn't matter what you do. You can still go to God and say, oh, you know, here I am. And he's, he's not going to look and say, ooh, that's a big one. You know, I, I can't handle that one. No. He forgives us. And he receives us back because we're his children. God wants to renew us. He wants to make us new in every area of our lives. So all the things that we've thought and said and done, things have been done to us, big commitments we've made that maybe we've failed to follow through on, you know, all that is in the past. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can renew that covenant and you can say, I'm, I'm coming to let you roll back the reproach. I don't want the enemy being able to taunt me and, and scorn me anymore. Today is going to be different. This day forward, I'm going into the promised land. Amen. Let's stand and worship.
Hallelujah. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're listening somewhere and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Well, this whole talk about renewing the covenant and, and being made new, you don't really understand what any of that means, but it's real simple. It's this simple. When you recognize that you have a need for God, your problem is that you're a sinner and God is perfect and holy. And you know the answer for your sin is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, suffered in your place, took the penalty for your sin so that instead of death, you can have life. So you simply pray, Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. I need you. I ask that you forgive me. Come live in my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you and walk with you all the days of my life. If you pray that prayer, the Bible says you are born again. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you've begun a journey that will carry you through. If you did that, uh, I'd like to hear about it. Send me a, an email or a letter or something, or website to tell you how to get a hold of us. If you're here in person and you, and you have a need, you'd like to have special prayer, um, I'll be happy to, to pray with you. We'll have some folks meet you at the altar and pray with you. There's no reason to go away sick or lost or miserable or fearful or in financial need. If you need some kind of a miracle or a touch, let us pray with you. God will answer your prayer. You have to trust Him and you have to make your request known. If we sing this last song, if you got a need, you want prayer, come to the altar and we'll meet you.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. And Lord, I pray that you seal this word in all of our hearts that we would go away convinced of your goodness, convinced of your promise, Lord, that you're going to roll back. You're going to strip away all of that stuff from the past. And you're going to make things new. So we choose. We choose to believe what you say, Lord. Make it so. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. And uh, don't forget all the things coming up. we got Wednesday night prayer, all kinds of other activities. God bless you.